This episode of Boss Barista is brought to you by the Barista League. The Barista League is hosting a totally new event called High Density. It's a coffee conference that's unlike any other you've ever attended. It's totally free, 100% digital, and it focuses on relevant and practical information that you can actually put to use immediately. The event takes place on March 9th, and it features an international program of speakers, including Gwilym Davies, Kat Melheim, Freda Yuan, Lem Butler, and Vava Ngweni. Some of these folks have actually been on Boss Barista in the past, and I'm giving a talk at this event called How to Be Your Own Advocate. You can learn more about my talk or about the event by registering at thebaristaleague.com. Hey friends, welcome to Boss Barista, the podcast about workplace equity and employee empowerment in coffee and beyond. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. To walk into everybody's busy is to walk into a precisely curated space, like a gallery, but without pretension. The coffee, which is supplied by Onyx Coffee Lab, is spot on. The menu design changes monthly and reflects a deep love of music. The speakers are always playing something fun, selected by the shop's owner, Melissa Stinson. This is the second time that I've actually sat down and recorded with Melissa, and we're revisiting a few of the themes that we covered in the first episode we did together, including our local coffee scene. We're based in Chicago, and what it means to make something totally unique to you. In that first conversation we had, we lamented that for such a big city, there's not as many coffee shops as you might expect in Chicago. There are definitely folks opening up interesting and fun shops, but Chicago is the third largest city in the nation, and there's room for more, way more. But recently we were spurred to record again after we noticed something promising happening. Despite the fact that COVID-19 has devastated the local dining scene, a number of new coffee shops have been opening across the city, many of which are run by people of color. Along with a commentary on Chicago's current coffee landscape, Melissa and I talk about being value-driven and what it means to have a vision for your business. I reiterate a theme that came up in our first recording back in 2019. Nobody else but Melissa could have made everybody's busy and her vision shows through in every detail and decision. Our conversation is more of a swapping of thoughts than a traditional interview, so if you want to hear two coffee folks try to dig into the reasons why their city and its coffee culture are so peculiar and idiosyncratic, then you've picked the right time to tune in. Here's Melissa. So I have Melissa Stinson on with me from Everybody's Busy. Uh, Melissa, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So this is the second time that you and I have actually recorded together. And I want to say we recorded with each other about two years ago. And some of the big things that we talked about in that episode was the state of the Chicago coffee community and just what it was like to open a pop-up bar. And I wanted to revisit some of those themes with you because... We're in COVID times now, and pretty much everything has changed. Yes. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about what Everybody's Busy has been up to in the last two years. Um, let me see. So last time we met, uh, I was actually 
at kind of my first location, which was on 51st Street. I have since moved to Pilsen. I moved a couple times in Pilsen. And I'm now like on the other side of Ashland on 18th Street. So I'm now in like this really small, it used to be an old butcher shop. And I'm kind of in the meat locker. And then my friend who does the clothing, he has his his store on the outside. So I've kind of gotten more space. I've kind of gotten settled uh, since the last time we talked. I've added Onyx. Before I was just a multi-roaster. So I, I specifically use Onyx um, as my coffee. I sell Onyx. Um, I only use Oatly. Um, what else has changed? I mean, a lot has changed, but yeah, that's kind of what. Yeah, those are like kind of the tangible things that have changed. But I wonder for you, how has your mindset changed or maybe the way that you approach your business changed? I don't get so down on myself like I used to. I mean, it, it happens because I'm human, but I, 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 I feel like I know what I'm doing that day. <laughs> uh, before, I was just kind of all over the place. Um, it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's interesting because when we spoke, there really wasn't, a lot of options. There's a lot of local coffee. Now there's a lot of, not a whole lot, but there's way more options than it was before. No, but that's, that's interesting. The idea that, uh, 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 the idea of competition and it shouldn't be competitive, but Chicago has never been competitive, um, which I totally agree with. Um, number one, Chicago coffee has never been competitive, but two, I don't really think it'll ever be competitive because Chicago is number one, a humongous city. And two, and I think you'll agree with this. I don't really believe in competition. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But I would, to me, in my opinion, like I'm not coming from, like, I don't have experience in coffee shops. I literally just built my own house because I, I wanted to, I wanted to get into coffee. Um, it's still kind of divided. I mean, it's getting better, but to me, it's still kind of divided, not just like neighborhoods, not just race, but it's kind of divided in quality. Does that make any yeah. sense? No, that makes sense. It's divided, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's divided in quality. And since this is a, a, a metropolitan city, we're working people and teachers and all types of things. And people drink a lot of coffee here and there's a lot of Dunkin', there's a lot of Starbucks, which is fine. There is limited quality. It's kind of like there are shops that are up to be social, which is totally fine, but the coffee's not good to me. And I'm not saying you should be more, how do I put it? I'm not saying to be more competitive about that, but I would think the stakes would kind of be would be raised because okay I, I have a shop here's another shop like I said there's shops popping up on the day on the on the weekly to have the best product but it doesn't feel like it's about the product it feels like it's the space does that make any sense no that makes sense and that's an interesting point to make because I think I don't know I'm thinking I think about that too with the new shops that have opened and I think that some of them have really hit 
the mark uh-huh. on quality, like just off the bat. But then there is an evolution I'm seeing in other shops where where quality you're right like quality might not be be the target and i don't know if i necessarily agree that quality needs to be the target okay um as much as community i think can be the target or serving an underserved community can be the target or just like solely the idea of business ownership can be the target Hmm. um but it does seem like uh like an oversight that Chicago has missed the mark on quality just because we have so many excellent restaurants. We have so many excellent, pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, and I would say that our coffee scene is probably one of the, the least interesting ones. Yeah. I would say that too. So how has, how has COVID sort of changed things for you? Because one of the things that you and I have talked about, um, on the side, not, not on recordings, um, is that, there have been so many coffee shops popping up during COVID, which is not what you would expect. And I don't know that other cities are experiencing this in the way that we are, but we have so many coffee shops that have popped up in the last eight or nine months. Um, I think, I mean, granted, COVID has an ugly side to it. I think it made a lot of people pivot because nothing was guaranteed. Like, literally, you had no idea if you're going to be able to leave the house next week, tomorrow, or you just didn't know. You didn't know if you're going to be able to go back to that building you used to be in because then we also had the social injustice going. I mean, like, literally, everything was torn up, for the mo- basically. Um, I mean, except for, like, the really big corporations because they, they have money. But I think people just... I think people started to sort of, because they had time to reflect and think about what do I want to do? What do I want to have next to my home? What do I want to have in my community? Because they had time to see. Everybody before was just rushing. (laughs) You know, like you had all these options and you also thought you had all this time. And I think that it changed because you just really didn't know if you were going to be alive or dead or if the city was going to be destroyed. You just really didn't know. You didn't know, to me, day to day. So I think it kind of made people look into themselves or think about things they always wanted to do. And I think coffee was probably, coffee, tea, some other things were probably on, you know, on their minds. And it was like, you know, just all or nothing. You might as well, because you li- literally do not know what's happening the next day. Did that enter your mind when you were thinking about your business? During COVID? Yeah. I, because I am a micro coffee bar, concept coffee bar, and I believe in delivering a great product and also an experience it did sort of fuck with me a little bit because now I was like, okay, well now people, how, how is this going to happen? How do you make, how is this going to (laughs) happen? You know, I I mean, I was kind of troubled by that. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if it was over. I was trying to think of how to pivot. Um, But because I have a, a really small business, I was worried but it wasn't as if I had like a huge space and I had employees and I'd figure out how to pay them. Like that's, that's really something when you worry. Um, It's just me. But I I didn't know 
if the experience is now that was done and things are going to just be like you walk past, you pick it up and you keep it moving. You don't have time to think. You don't you, you just you have to go home and think and do everything. I just didn't know what that looked like. So I didn't I didn't know if my if my concept was. I guess necessary, <laughs> you know. Oh, that's that's kind of a scary thought. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, what do you think kept you going then, or what kept you open? Um, I tested the waters a few times. I mean, granted, I, as much as I'm a homebody, being at home for those many days and hours started to also mentally and I suffer from depression chronic depression but mentally it was messing with me and like any other human being you need interaction or you need you need interaction of something and so as they kind of like said okay well you know you can go back and do this this was maybe uh, April ish I can't remember I would tiptoe out maybe once or twice for a few hours and just to medicate myself, that was a way of medicating myself to doing something. And I knew I could, okay, maybe somebody wasn't coming, but at least I could be in that space and I could entertain myself. And it wasn't at home. <laughs> I could get my mind off of like all these thoughts. You know what I mean? I was, yeah. I was, I was occupied. Yeah. I think something that you mentioned that I, I want to touch upon is the idea that your business was really like you, you didn't ha I mean you have obviously lots to worry about because it's your business this is your livelihood but you didn't have to worry about employees and the stakes were a little bit lower because you didn't have to like it's only you yeah that you have to to watch out for and as I'm looking at all these new businesses that are opening up versus the businesses that we've seen close it seems like a lot of the businesses that have suffered because of COVID are larger businesses, which makes sense because there's a lot more to lose when you have a lot more employees. Um, but then that to me also speaks to maybe the negative aspects of growth. Yeah. Like maybe aggressive growth is not the way to go because if you can grow this fast, you can lose it that fast. And what seems to be holding true are businesses, number one, that have really strong concepts and really know who they are. Mm -hmm. And I think you're one of those people, you know exactly who you are, um, even if that changes and even if that evolves. But two, businesses who maybe aren't striving for aggressive growth. And I also think that you probably fall into that category. Hmm. If that makes sense. It does. I'm just trying to process it. <sighs> I don't, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of how to respond. Um, I, let me just say this. Nothing lasts forever. Some people think everything's last forever, but they just don't. You know, they have to change or they have to break down and become something else. I mean, it's just, ver it's just impossible. Um, to me, not, I'm not speaking for everybody else. And I think, like I said, COVID and the social injustice and just everything that was going on broke down businesses or let's just say broke them open because there's a lot of stuff going on. And I mean, it's business. It's always, a, it's a lot of bad guys. It's a lot of immoral people. It's just a lot of, it's, it's business. It's about money and power. So that it's ugly. Um, I think it just kind of, it broke that, 
not all of it, but a lot of it down. And people didn't have anything to depend on. They didn't have a place to go. They didn't have a check to get. I mean, you know, unemployment, they, they were getting that, but they just, they were left to their own devices, if that makes any sense. Um, I think that first part where you said that it, that COVID and the social, like the social injustices of the summer um, broke businesses open is a really poignant thing to talk about because you're right. Like it broke things open and you were suddenly exposed to all the shitty things that a lot of people were doing. And I think kind of going back to my question, I think it really exposed people's values. Like what, Mm -hmm. what are you here for? Like, why are you doing this thing? And I think we're seeing that now with some of the new businesses that are opening in Chicago. Um, and this is maybe a very Chicago centric conversation. So people listening to this might be like, this doesn't apply to my city, but, uh, just to set the scene a little bit, a lot of coffee shops have opened during COVID. Um, a lot of pop-ups have happened during COVID and almost all of them are helmed by people of color, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. And I think something that I'm seeing through messaging and social media is that a lot of these businesses are really value driven. Like they seem to have a really good sense of who they are as people and are able to lead with that. And I think you've kind of always done that, um, which is cool to see you as almost like a pioneer in this space that you've been able to take who you are as a person and really translate it into your business. And this is something we talked about in our last episode um, nobody else could have opened everybody's busy. Like only Melissa Stinson doing what she's doing could have opened everybody's busy. And I think we're starting to see that more in other businesses too. Only the folks behind third coffee could have opened third coffee. Only the husband and wife duo of Atmos coffee could have opened Atmos coffee. Um, only, um, people who are really obsessed with Scandinavian coffee could have opened Dayglo. Like it's, it's, it's just all these things that, that make people, I think have really forced people in the coffee industry to think what, why am I opening this business? And if you don't have a good why, and if you don't have a good sense of who you are and can translate that into your business, then like nothing really matters. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a good point. And people are paying attention actually. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. People are demanding more as well. Yeah, they are. Before it was like, do, 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 coffee. Oh, okay. But because I think, like I said, we had so much time to reflect and I mean, we didn't have anything to do. So you started to pay attention and you started to notice and like even the coffee industry, like, and all the other industries too, but the coffee industry, like, oh, wait, these people like coffee? These people like coffee? Oh, it's not. You know, it's 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 um it's a all around drink. Like you could be nine and love coffee. You could be ninety nine and love coffee. You could be fresh and love coffee. You could be stale and love coffee. I mean, it's coffee. It's a drink, <laughs> like water. So, I think people were able to sort of identify, like also with coffee. You know what? I don't have a s- space I can go to and have an okay cup of coffee, or I, I don't have a space I can go to and see art or feel energy. So it just kind of, it's like a bunch of sneaker stores, but it's coffee. Right. Some of them have identities, some of them don't. Some of them are still trying to figure it out, which is totally fine. Um, but the, the point is that you tried. You gave it, you know, you gave it all, whether you had money or you didn't have any money, you tried 
And to me, those that were able to push through during this time will hopefully be really successful once we get into the new future, because there's no going back. It's over. <laughs> this is the way Talk it Talk about that a little bit. Um, I don't, you know, when people say, oh, when we go back to normal, I just, I'm just, I don't look at it that way. And I, maybe they're just using that uh, as wording. It's, like I said, everything's been broken and cracked open and it's still continuing to be pulled. There is no 2019. There's just 2020 and 2021. To me, I mean, philosophically, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's just go. Like there's, there's almost like, I want to say, maybe you had a handbook, but there's no handbook. Like there's like, nobody's ever been through this. <laughs> this is like the first time globally, everybody's having this experience. It's not a, you know, United States thing. It's not an African thing. It's the whole planet. And that's interesting at the same time, everybody's experiencing the same thing, <laughs> whether you're a business owner or you're not, or you're a caretaker, whether you're a 10 year old doing home school at home. I mean, everybody is having similar experiences. Don't you think that's, that's, that's something? No, absolutely. I think we, you know, we talk about community in the copy industry all the time and like what, in a weird way, what better thing to a united community than COVID, which makes no sense because we can't be around each other. Right. But at the same time, we're all experiencing a collective moment that will probably never be repeated in our lifetimes. This idea that like everybody right now is experiencing not the exact same thing, but at least an umbrella under the same thing. We're all experiencing COVID probably in very different ways. Right. But we're all experiencing COVID. Right. Right. Yeah. So like, how do we, and I think you're right. Like there is no 2019, 2019's over. We're never going to go back there. So I was wondering when you think about that, when you think about going into the future and not being able to go back in the past, like what are some relics that you think that we can't go back to? Or what are some ways that you've had to reshape your mind to be like, this is my new normal. This is what I have to think about now. That thing that I used to do doesn't work anymore. Well, uh, I'm a bit of an oddball and I'm proud of that. It took many, many years to just say, you know what, okay. Um, and I've always kind of been, I don't want to say a futurist, but I've always kind of been ahead in a sense. So for me, this is not, I'm not really struggling with how to adjust <laughs> because also too, I worked in the entertainment industry. So it was, you were constantly, your world was being shaken constantly. You know, so I'm kind of used to it, um, but I don't, I, I'm just trying to figure out how to keep up. Because like I said, the one thing, I don't know what's happening from day to day, month to month, but there, to me, there are no, I wouldn't say there's any old ways. And maybe because I've been doing me, <laughs> maybe I'm so into me. And so into the music and so into my idea that that hasn't, how do I explain it? That hasn't penetrated that or it hasn't affected me mm -hmm. because where people are kind of going to, 
now I've already I'm there does that make any sense no I think that speaks I mean yes not no (laughs) (laughs) geez Louise Uh, no but that totally speaks to what we were talking about earlier about businesses who seem to have a really good core sense of self Mm -hmm. being able to penetrate through this really difficult time Mm mm-hmm and you've always had that. Like, that's always been clear every time we've talked or anytime I've gone to everybody's busy. And every time I, like, look at your social media, I'm like, oh, Melissa knows what she's doing. Not necessarily, like, you have to have the answer to everything per se, but you are able to connect everything you do to the core of what your business is. And again, that doesn't mean that things don't change. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. that things aren't fluid. But it seems like you've always been able to connect what you want to do to like who you are as a person. Like you wouldn't do, I wouldn't go into everybody's busy and think like, Oh, this isn't Melissa. Like, okay. This doesn't seem right. Like, but I think that when you go maybe to like some other coffee shops, you're kind of like, Oh, why are they doing this? Like, this doesn't really make sense. Um, and I think we've seen coffee shops like that close and I don't want to name names. We were talking a little bit about that off the air. Um, but I think the coffee shops that maybe have suffered a little bit have been places that don't have that really core sense of self. And because of that, they can't connect to their communities in the same way. On the other end, the coffee shops we have seen close are coffee shops that have pretty much just denied union rights to their baristas, um, which is ludicrous. Um, And we've covered that a lot on Boss Barista. But everything you're saying totally makes sense to me. Um, And I don't know, I guess it just speaks to like your strength of character, which is pretty cool. Well, thanks. Well, I mean, you know what? I, I think, well, I had a, I had a, a, not a great thought, but okay thought. Um, All thoughts welcome here. <laughs> I think for me, it took me so long to make sense of what skills either I possessed or could do. I'm still figuring out what kind of creative I was or if I was going to be one to make money or if I was going to be that reclusive creative. And when this coffee was sort of my little tool to say, okay, huh, what are we doing here? And organically just things started coming. I mean, the other thing is too, is I'm not one of those, I'm a person of color, but for me, I'm not one of those shops or brands or people who have to post, hey, I'm a person of color. Hey, I'm this, I'm that. I, I, I don't that doesn't work for me. It's like, I happen to be a woman. I happen to be black. I happen to really love a lot of great music. I happen to really like coffee. You know, it's like all these things are organic. They're not contrived or anything. They, they're, they're just like literally flowing through me. I don't sit right. on my Instagram and say, okay, what am I going to, what pictures I'm going to take? I have a lot of pictures and it really just deals with lifestyle. I mean, I don't want to go, it's a lot of coffee pages you go to and it's like, how many times can I see latte art? How many times can I see a coffee cup? I can do that at home. I could do that at the shop. I mean, I get it. But a lot of the coffee brands, not all of them, but a lot of them too, have sort of led that way where it's like, okay, well, you got to show, you got to show, you got to show instead of just being. Does that make any sense? No, that totally makes sense. It's, it's, I think maybe this is a little bit, um, maybe this is a little contrived, so maybe go with me on this one. But I think that just speaks to the idea of what we were talking about earlier about like aggressive growth. I think for so long in the coffee industry and pretty much any industry in general, um, we've had this idea that if you're not growing, you're not 
thriving. Mm-hmm. Like you're either growing or you're, you're, you're diminishing, but it seems like COVID has really taught us. I hope that it is okay to do the thing that you want to do and be content in that thing that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, like you don't have to have a hundred coffee shops. You don't have to have a big expansive bakery or whatever to be successful. And that goes back to the idea of just knowing what's right for you and, and being like, this works for me. This business model works for me or this messaging works for me. Um, and not to say that that won't change again. This is not, a, this is not about like being rigid, but rather about pursuing things kind of willy nilly without thinking, why does this serve my business? Um, mm. like for example, like you switching from a multi roaster to Onyx, like that, that is a decision where I was like, oh yeah, duh, of course. Like that makes sense to me. Like you, you actively pursue quality really aggressively and Onyx produces some of the best coffees in the world. And the co-branding thing that you're doing with them is really cool. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, thanks. But at the same time, I see, like I said, like I see other coffee shops who are doing other things and it seems like, oh, maybe you're doing this because this is what you think is right. Exactly. But it's not true to you. Yep. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting to those points. We're, we're just, okay. we're just circling around <laughs> each other. I talk in um, circles sometimes. So yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Chicago coffee specifically. I mean, we have pretty much only talked about Chicago coffee, but I was wondering what what it's been like for you to see more and more pop-ups kind of in like the style that you've been popping up. Um, um, what has it been like to see other coffee shops kind of pop up during this time? Like, what do you, what does this make you feel about the Chicago coffee community? Um, it's interesting. Uh, and this is solely based on, this is an emotional answer. Um, like anything, things become really popular. Like coffee is like, I I called it many, 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 many years ago, but coffee is like that thing. Not not tea, but coffee. Like boutiques have them, uh, barbershops have, I mean, like coffee is everywhere. And now seeing that Chicago is kind of slowly getting into that where, you know, you have coffee on the South side, the West side, the North side, um, in the hood, uh, in the suburbs like you can kind of find something somewhere before you kind of had just a few places to go or you just make it at home or you just suffer with bad coffee um I think too and I mean it's a lot of it's become very brown (laughs) you know it's it's really like Instagram I call my family too Chicago is my home but Instagram is really my virtual family, my virtual cheer, cheerleading squad, and, and I virtually cheer for people um, on there. So here, I think people are still trying to figure it out. I think, as usual, some people do stuff for the wrong reasons. Some people just do it because they want to jump on the, the bandwagon. And some people are just, they're interested in it. And like I said, they had to pivot. They had to figure something else out because they didn't want to go crazy, you know. You had to do something. Um, so it's like all type of reasons people, I think, have started the coffee business or the coffee space business or the mobile coffee. Um, I think, to me, and I'm kind of hard on Chicago, 
I think it's still very separated, not just by race, neighborhood. Like it's just, this is just a very, to me, um, separated city. It just is, it is. Um, so why would I think the coffee scene would be different? Because yeah. the, I mean, you have to have people who run it. So naturally they're going to bring in how they feel and it just becomes a mini Chicago. That, that makes any sense. Mini Chicago coffee scene. I think it's getting better. I haven't gone to every coffee shop. Um, I haven't had everybody's coffee. I, I have gone to quite a few. Um, there are some gimmicks to me, but that's not my business. You know, I wish you the best and, you know, things will play out the way they're supposed to. And then there's some people who are really into it. And I totally appreciate that. And it's like somebody to talk to before I didn't have anybody to talk to. Like I said, Instagram was my family. I could talk to Ian from Deadstock or Nigel from Drip. You know, now I have more opportunities to go to somebody's space, uh, experience what they're trying to do, learn about their way of, 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 I don't know, getting into the coffee scene or their history of being a barista uh, for 10 years and finally they want a coffee shop. Like, I, you have those spaces now. Before it was like, can, can I, who do I talk to about this? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that felt, that felt similar to me too. And maybe, maybe for a while I felt it was because I was an outsider because I think when I had met you, I had only been in Chicago for less than a year. And I felt like, oh, maybe I'm just like not part of this community. Like maybe, maybe I'm just like outside of it. Um, but then I would talk to my partner, Jesse, who worked for Intelligentsia for almost a decade. Mm -hmm. And he even like expressed some of the fragmented nature of it. And I will blame Intel Intelligentsia, I'll name them, um, for part of that. Um, but I think that's true of any city that has one major player mm -hmm. in general. Um, and I think that that's true of any city that has like a, a dining scene or a, or a whatever scene that kind of takes over at a very, very particular moment of time. Um, I think for a while, and maybe this is, I don't know if you agree with this, but I feel like Chicago was just stuck because Intelligentsia was so dominant for so long and it was the innovator for so long. And then you get stuck in that moment. I agree. And uh, if it wasn't for intelligentsia, you wouldn't have a lot of other people the same. I, I don't I don't hate on them. I don't hate on Starbucks because this is all part of the this is all part of the experience. You, right, know, you, right, you right. can't have one without the other. But I think I don't feel like coffee was I think it was very personal here. I don't think it was as important. You know what I mean? Like we'll have a coffee shop. We'll, we'll be really scientific about it and, you know, we, we're into this. Um, but I don't think it was a necessary thing, which is why, to me, I couldn't find any good coffee shops. I mean, you happen to be like in a bodega or like a, a diner and you, you have some coffee, but it wasn't like we got to have good coffee. Right. It was like you had to go to certain places. Most of the time it was downtown or up north. Um, where maybe coffee was valued more because for some reason the south side they didn't think it valued coffee and maybe the south side didn't value coffee even though people drink coffee every day they make it at home they have great grandparents and you know they've grown up with it i just don't think it was valued the same way um also i think too it was intimidating uh because it's like how do i make this a business you know mm -hmm. and yeah you know like 
it's coffee and it's it is complex like beer wine bourbon you know you you would talk to people and it's kind of like oh my god I, I don't know anything about that i just like the drink and and i'm coming from i'm coming from a consumer i'm not coming from a worker i'm coming from a consumer that's now behind the bar and it was very important and it was really upsetting to me um especially and i i lived in new york and you know you had you had thousands of little bitty spots, restaurants, whatever. I still had trouble finding really good coffee. Like I said, it wasn't a big deal. It's like a big deal now. It's a way of life for a lot of people. It's a way of communication for a lot of people, way of expression, which is great. Um, I just, like I said, it's still very, I think now you're starting to see people of color are now like, hey, Hello, I drink coffee. I've been drinking coffee. My grandmother's been drinking coffee. My mother's been drinking coffee. Um, what's this all about? But it's still some kind of, still a divide there because like say for instance, the coffee masters or the coffee key holders, they're not really helpful to everybody. And, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and granted, it depends on how you approach things too. If you're approaching things kind of, you know, wrong you're, you're gonna get what you get but it, it's it hasn't been presented in a comfortable way or a, or a welcoming way it's been very like intimidating yeah that makes sense to me I totally get what you're saying yeah um and and not again not to knock anybody specifically but just the way I think that coffee has been served in Chicago for so long until my I would say very recently it is super intimidating. You have to know like what a pour over is. You have to know what the single origin menu means. Like we went from like zero to like a hundred without any space in between to build up a customer base. So naturally that customer base became pretty stratified because we didn't think about accessibility. Um, and that's, that's, I think what Chicago really suffered. So that's why we don't have as many community shops. We don't have as many people who like, Oh, I live here. I'm going to build a coffee shop here mm -hmm. like or i want to start a concept bar because i care about x y and z um and we i don't have like necessarily a built-in customer base um which is really interesting i think chicago specifically has a really interesting like there's a there's a study to be had here about yeah. why our coffee community <laughs> sucks i haven't figured out how that's gonna work yet but i'll i'll i'll, I'll i'm gonna apply for a master's degree and okay. then go get it no i'm not gonna do that um <laughs> I was wondering as we as we start to think about what what the future holds like what are you thinking about like what's on your mind because you said you're a futurist you think of you think ahead like what's what's ahead for you well I'm not going to reveal that but um, <laughs> <laughs> um not tell all your secrets yeah uh because I do change my mind too um I, I honestly actually I, I really I don't know, and I don't know if that's a, necessarily a good thing because I am definitely the person that I do take risk, but then there's a fear there. But I, I definitely will jump off the cliff and be like, I have no idea how I'm gonna land, <laughs> but I had to jump off the cliff. You know, um, I, I don't really, I don't really know. I'm hoping to make everybody's busy bigger brand because like I said it's not just about coffee it's also about culture and about paying homage and design and art and photography all these organic things that I do 
Um, it's also about raising awareness about, and I, I mean, music is my number one love in case you don't know that. I mean, Instagram, that pretty much says I'm a music head. I don't know all music, but music is my lifeline. And coffee kind of, I kind of use coffee to push that agenda, even though I don't, I don't know how it's communicating with everybody, but I, I would like to see, like, for instance, here, is it is a very divided city. You got South Side, you got North Side, you got West Side. And granted, you know, the kids have changed, industry has changed, but for it to be such a, it was a soulful town, it was a music town. A lot of people um, from the music industry came out of the Midwest, came out of Chicago, came out of the South Side. Nobody looks back. Like there's no soul as a whole. Like there's people who have souls, but there's no, for me, is no soul. I'm, I don't know what that looks like, but like I said, it's, it's me pushing a musical, creative, whatever, mostly musical agenda and really trying to get people to play more music, play other music. You've got to go back to the past because you didn't have the past you wouldn't have right now. Um, instruments, bass. I mean, like just that feeling. We don't really, I don't really feel that when I'm, when I'm here. I, I'm not going to compare it to a New York or LA because that's completely different. We're in the middle. So we're different. But I'm, I'm really trying to push that. I don't even know how to put it into words. It's an experience, but it's also paying homage. And it's also learning. Like music does a lot, mm-hmm. but right now it doesn't seem like it gets its credit. That makes any sense. I mean, it literally is like chicken noodle soup. It does a lot. And it blows my mind when I go into spaces uh, and they kind of don't really, it's either in the background or they really don't, they kind of abuse it. It's like, and I know it's my opinion, bad music, whatever. Um, it's just it's abuse to me. I I, 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 I used to I used to know this one barista who would play like new metal at like seven a.m. <laughs> and I was like, why are you doing this to people? <laughs> yeah, but, but I see what you're saying. I think uh, I think it's easy to enter a space and feel like, and I'm going to extrapolate a little bit outward um, from from the music analogy because I think it can apply to a lot of different things. But it feels like there's not consideration for a holistic experience. Okay. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I don't music think, is part of that. Yeah. I don't think people are thinking about that. I mean, cause they also haven't been taught to, it's not, they're not accustomed to that. Maybe nobody told them it was okay because for so long, you know, you'd go into spaces and like, you'd have Muzak playing somebody who in Seattle, who's basically programmed all this music, send it to the store and you have to listen to that over and over again. So to to now, and same with like all these streaming services, to now create a playlist or create a vibe, it's a, like it's like a job for certain people. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a lot. Run the register, make the coffee, watch the people, blah, blah, and then it's like you got to worry about the music too. But you also have to worry about like all of it, right? Like you have to worry about like the seating. You have to worry about where like your lids are, like. I get really frustrated when there's not like a natural flow in a coffee shop where it's like, okay, if I enter 
where do I exit? Am I bumping into people? Like it's all of it. It's it, and, and not to, not to diminish music by any means, but I think that like you can, again, take that, that example and extrapolate outward and think, how do we think about this experience holistically? And I think you're right. We don't really teach people how to do that because a lot of that is subtle. Like if you're doing a good job, you don't really notice it. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. all flows. So it's really hard to say like, this is actually super intentional. Um, especially when we don't have a lot of examples of that in Chicago. Um, yeah, that's what I don't know. I mean, like you said, it, you have to worry about all facets and maybe music kind of falls to the side. And I'm not saying everybody can do that. Cause you just can't, if that's not your thing, that's not your thing. But I, I get up every morning. I don't know who I'm going to see. Um, I don't know who I'm going to run into. I don't know who I'm going to introduce to, but I'm, I'm ready if that makes any sense. And I think too, we sort of miss that. And that, that's me being like kind of petty, but we sort of miss that expression from our clothes, our feet. Is it our hats? I mean, or not wearing hats. It's like, it's a total thing. And you don't always see that. And that's not either you have it or you don't. So I can't, I'm not mad at anybody if they don't have it, but it's like, full on like you, you kind of trust that person when you go in there it's like oh shit look at this all right the product is it's got to be good because everything else in here is good and a lot of times you don't see that it's like half ass and that's not something that you know a lot of people can control because if you don't own it you, what can you do but just show up and go to work um but i i, I want i just want a lot <laughs> I, I, I just want a lot and it's not necessarily fair. And I mean, I'm not perfect by any means. I'm still figuring shit out. Um, but I, I want an experience or I want to be inspired. That was Melissa Stinson. You can visit Everybody's Busy for a to-go coffee and with a mask on on 18th Street in Pilsen. Or you can visit Melissa's Instagram account at Everybody's Busy. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm just looking for a better day. Boss Barista is produced by me, Ashley Rodriguez. You can find a transcription of this episode on my newsletter, along with an accompanying article about this episode every Thursday at bossbarista.substack.com. To support the show, you can visit www.patreon.com bossbarista. We have over 80 patrons supporting the show right now, which is incredible. And that helps keep the show alive. We pay guests through this fund, we pay for website hosting, and we make donations. Half of our patron donations are currently pledged to five different nonprofits, each at $50 a month. Asada's Daughters, the Loveland Foundation, the Native American Rights Fund, the Grocery Run Club, and the Chicago Community Bond Fund. Again, if you want to support Boss Barista, consider making a monthly donation at www.patreon.com slash bossbarista. Another amazing way to support the show is to share this episode with just one person, a friend, someone who you think would learn something from this episode, anybody. Sharing on social media is also a huge help along with giving us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. As a small production, these things matter a lot. 
So if you can take a little time, share out some of your favorite quotes from this episode and tag us, that would be amazing. We're at Boss Barista Podcast on Instagram and Boss underscore Barista on Twitter. You can also send me an email at bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.